Hello everybody and welcome to the first iteration of the Football Idealist Podcast. Today we're going to be discussing Chelsea and the recent second of Frank Lampard. Today I'm here with I'm here with Hussein, Mediano and Enes. Enes, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, so <laughs> my actual name is Nick. Um Enes on Twitter. Uh, I'm an Arsenal fan and uh, I love football, so I'm happy to be here. And we also have Mediano. Yeah. Um, hi, guys. Uh, I'm Mediano. I'm a Chelsea fan. Um, and I, too, love football and Chelsea. So, And we have Hussein. Yeah. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Hussein. Um, you may know me as Football Hussein on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, I'm a City fan. And obviously, we all love football and we're here to talk about football. Yeah. And I, I'm, I, I'm Axel. And this is, uh, I'm going to be the host. We're going to be trying to upload weekly. We're going to have a variety of different topics. And hopefully we can grow. So I'm going to start off with the first question. We're just going to get straight into it. Um, NS, what is, what is your thoughts on the summer transfer window for Chelsea? Yeah, I mean, uh, so it's also a question I wanted to ask Mediano because like a couple of weeks ago, I made a thread on, uh, on Chelsea generally. I criticized their transfer window. I called it dreadful, in fact. So, and Mediano, actually, if you remember, you quoted me saying that you disagree. So, really, my hope. So, I just want to ask you, ask you if you still, if, you, if you've changed your, your opinion from that day, and uh, just wanted to reiterate that my point was that uh, it's not like Chelsea signed bad players. Like most of them are, you could argue, they are world-class talents. My, my, really, my point was that. It was, the money was not spent in the right areas. Like, for example, not that much money was needed to upgrade the attack and more of, a, more of it should have been spent on midfield and defense. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Um, so, I, I was a bit critical um, and you did have fair points. Uh, however, I still think our, our transfer window was good insofar as um, I... I shouldn't have, or and I, I don't think I did uh, predict us to challenge for the title this season um, because our transfer window was too big for us to challenge. Um, and that's what happens when you when you receive a transfer ban. Um, and so uh, I think our weakest point last year was the attack, uh, contrary enough, um, because once Tammy uh, was out of form, I think January to... March, uh, we looked a shell of ourselves. Um, and it was only post-lockdown that uh, Pulisic and Giroud uh, really picked up uh, the pieces. Um, and so I think an Eden Hazard-sized gap is very tough to, uh, to close. Um, uh, but I, I think when you sign uh, several players like for example, a topic of discussion, Timo Werner and Kai Havertz. Um, I don't think they've hit the ground running, nor have they showered themselves in glory. Uh, but I also think um, just in terms of squad quality, uh, ability to play different systems against different styles of teams uh, in different competitions, uh, I think Chelsea did a, a fantastic job. Um, so, for example, uh, Ziyech, doesn't really look as good as he did um, for 
Chelsea as he did for Ajax, namely in the Champions League. Uh, as a club with Champions League aspirations, um, you, you, you buy a, a technical quality type of player like Ziyech uh, to, to, to help you, um, I guess, sustain moves in the Champions League. High risk, high reward. Uh, and then for someone like Werner, you buy him to stretch defenses and keep uh, midfielders and fullbacks honest. Uh, and then for someone like Havertz, he disrupts the midfield lines and his shadow runs are effectively what we paid £62 million pounds for. Uh, and so I think there's a misconception that if, uh, if a player doesn't directly get in the XI or isn't a starter over the period of a 38-game season, that it's a bad window. Uh, and and that, I think that's where I disagree. Uh, but uh, in terms of upping the squad quality and ability to have different profiles to attack different matches, uh, I, I think Chelsea did, did a, a good job, but not a great job. Yeah, yeah so... I think, uh, I think that, like, if you buy, like, what, what did Chelsea buy, like, seven players... Including yes. so, like yeah, they bought like seven players, and the, there's a lot of like you said, like risk and reward, and you're not gonna get a return on every player because that's just not how it works. Not everyone's gonna adapt perfectly, but I do think it's an improvement on like previous signings where you signed like Zappacosta and Emerson and uh, Kovacic and Jorginho, who like there's a bunch of mixed opinions about them, but they're not particularly liked in the uh, Chelsea community, amongst other players like Kepa. And uh, lots of your signings have been good. For example, Edward Mendy has been has had his ups and downs, but he's been pretty good. And Thiago Silva has been excellent in defence. But the problem I see is that Chelsea signed a lot of similar players of similar profiles. Like they have Havertz and they have Werner, who aren't occupying the central spaces really or not all the time. And then they have uh, Ziyech, all of these pe- players want the ball to their feet, and they don't have runners in behind. But when they do have a runner like Pulisic, who has been pretty selfish this season, but uh, Pulisic and Werner uh, kind of contradict themselves where they occupy the same zones. And uh, it, it just was, I think they spent a bit too much and were a bit like trigger happy with their spending. But it was a good, uh, a good transfer window overall, and these signings will, will prove to be worthy in due time, in my opinion. Yeah, because I think that if Chelsea bought the players, if they bought prem quality players, like a Jack Grealish, like a, a Madison, they spent the, the £250 million wrong. And they could have bought good players that are prem quality and could help them improve and help them skyrocket up the table. Because I thought that, you know, Timo Werner, that's a good signing. Havertz, I, understood, I was a bit skeptical. I was thinking this guy's not ready, but he was a. But it was it was like you can understand why they did it because a player of his quality for seventy five million in the transfer window, like when no one's when no one's going for him, I think that's I, I think they did a, they made a right choice and hopefully he can he can like prove himself in the future. So I want to go into the next question. Um, yeah, go ahead. Mediano. Uh, what was your reaction to Frank Lampard sacking? Because I didn't expect it at the time. I'm not going to lie. So what was your thoughts on it? Um, we were hearing ramblings that uh, he was on thin ice um, because the results weren't really going his way 
uh, and he was interchanging the, the team a lot and his tactics weren't really known. Uh, the, the principles of play, the systems he employed varied. And now, although it's good to have a, a flexible system somewhat, uh, you want to see clear principles of play. Uh, and so I guess something that can be attributed only to a certain manager, right? Uh, we look at Klopp and, and you think of gig and pressing and we look at um, Pep and, and we think a positional play and, 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 and uh, dictating games and, and being on the front foot. Um, but with Lampard, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. Um, it, it was like, it was more flip a coin. Uh, either we get a fantastic game and we look like a cohesive side or we get uh, a mess uh, tactically and players look uh, either sluggish after a week off and so on. So I, I expected it after the City game, uh, the 3-1, where we just looked a class apart. Uh, and then I expected it after the Leicester game. Um, so I, after those two games had passed and there was, I, I suppose, no new news, um, I, I thought they'd give him a couple of games. Uh, and then we beat uh, Lutton in the FA Cup. And then they sacked him, uh, which leads me to believe that I think the City and Leicester games were the last straw. Uh, but the club needed to, I suppose, do their due diligence on who's going to take over. Uh, and that ended up being Tuchel um, because he was available, I think. And uh, yeah. So what are your thoughts on Tuchel? Like, are you happy with his appointment or are you, is there question marks? I had question marks prior um, because I wasn't sure how he'd adapt to the Prem because uh, the Premier League is, is, is quite contrary to every other league. Uh, the, the intensity, the physicality, the uh, second ball uh, emphasis, um, you know. Uh, but I think I've warmed up to him. Uh, I think one of the most important facets for any Chelsea manager is charisma. Uh, You'd be hard-pressed to find uh, a manager within the last 15 years at Chelsea that succeeded without charisma. Uh, And not that Frank wasn't charismatic, but he was more cautious uh, because I think he had self-doubt. He was two years experienced and there were question marks from the day he got appointed. Um, and so you kind of felt that, you know, the, if the manager has self-doubt, then, then what does that do to the squad? And I think, uh, I think Tuchel is a very charismatic figure. Uh, he's, he's been saying all the right things in the pressers. Um, his interactions with players have been, have been great to see. Uh, and so tactically, I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see how he lines up. But I think in terms of the the intangibles that are so important at Chelsea. I think he's he's meeting the requirements so far. All right. So, Elias, what are your thoughts on Tuchel? Um, so, I, I'm happy with, uh, you know, in terms of Chelsea, I think it was a, a good appointment. But before we get more into that, I want to ask you a question about Lampard. And uh, I want to ask you uh, your thoughts on what, uh, what let him down this season. Was it... 
obviously there were reports of the board forcing him to play certain players. Well, maybe not forcing him, but putting pressure on him to play Havertz and Werner. Uh, there were some some deficiencies tactically that did not really exist last season. There were some that existed in both of his seasons. So, like in your opinion, what was the tipping point for him, and what really what was the the reason why they performed so badly this season? So I think first and foremost, um, I I do believe it was self doubt because at Chelsea, let's say. Uh, if we use uh, Guardiola or Klopp, for example, as the uh, the ideals in this case. Uh, if Pep doesn't play a certain player, he always has the justification that it doesn't, he doesn't suit my philosophy, uh, right? Because there is a philosophy, there's a style, there's patterns of play, there are requirements to those patterns. With Lampard, he never had anything to justify why he was doing what he was doing. So it it sort of struck on a whim. Uh, he was just making decisions to make decisions. Um, and I think that's where, where, where I feel he was most let down. Obviously, um, tactically, uh, as an amateur uh, myself, I think he was, he, was, he was quite naive in a lot of games. Um, and I thought how he lined up United... First United in the, in the first uh, couple matches of the season, I thought Lampard would have learned. Um, you know that's you, you line up first and foremost to be hard to beat if you know you're, um, if if you know you're not as good or or you're not as cohesive, uh, not as structured. But I, I think he abandoned just basic principles of play. Uh, too much space between the lines. Um, he'd rotate. Awkwardly, he changed the back to. Um, so I think I think first and foremost it was it was Lampard being too fluid. Uh, he didn't really have any justification. So let's say he wanted to drop Werner for a certain game, let's say versus Burnley, uh, because he, there's no not going to be any space in behind. Um, when he would drop, let's say Werner. Uh, he wouldn't be able to justify it because he doesn't really have very stringent principles of play that he can rely on. Or he doesn't have, at least from, from my vantage point, he doesn't have as strong of an, uh, of an ideology or, or, or uh, philosophy uh, or principles of play for that matter. So I, I think fundamentally the job came too soon and, and the politics are, are the icing on the cake, so to speak. Um, so I think uh, with Lampard this season, I, th- I think the problem with him, which eventually got him sacked, is that he really failed to cater towards the new signings. He failed to, ca- I mean, I mean, he failed to cater his system towards the new signings. He had this idea of the 4-3-3 with two advanced aids, which, you know, on paper made some sense, you know, with his squad. But if you look at it, if you analyze it, it did not work at all. You know, he tried Kante at the base, Jorginho at the base, Kovacic at the base. You know, a lot of guys, you know, Kante was the only one who had an extended run of games at that position. None of those guys look really good, you know. They're not, you know, other than Jorginho, who's not really suited to Premier League football, it seems like none of these guys are, you know, the type of midfielders lone six, you know. Um, and then also a big problem was Havertz. I mean... 
Havertz, you know, for everyone who watched him at Leverkusen, he it, it was obvious that he's an attacking player. He's a player who you want in the forward line, you know, probably getting on the end of moves, not so much starting him. And uh, Lampard tried him as a as a central midfielder, as a box-to-box midfielder, as an eight in the 4-3-3. And really, that's not his position, right? He's much more a uh, Bruno Fernandes than he's a... Uh, than he's a, a Gundogan or a Thomas Party who you want at that position, right? So, yeah, and I think also with Werner, it was weird. It seemed like, you know, obviously Chelsea uh, needed a goal scorer for sure uh, because when Giroud is not the most reliable, Tammy Abraham, is, I rate him, but he's not, as a goal scorer, he's not, again, he's not super reliable, so they need a goal scorer. Werner was, you know, in theory, a good signing as a player who can get goals, uh, at a very high rate. The problem here was that Werner, you know, he thrived in a very uh, specific system uh, under Nagelsmann at Leipzig. Uh, well, Lampard tried him as a lone nine. It did not work at all. He tried him as a left winger. It did not work at all. It really, He really seemed like he had no idea how to use him. So, again, um, I don't, like, obviously there has been some reports that these signings were not like his uh, his. Prefer his preferred targets in his position, other than Chilwell, I think. But again, you have to step in there as a manager. Otherwise, you're being set up to fail. Uh, he should have said, "I don't want Werner. I don't. I want someone like, like Abraham, an Abraham type to lead the line and upgrade on him. I don't want Havers. I want a defensive midfielder. I want Rice, Declan Rice, right? I mean, he probably did did say that." probably did say these things, but my point is that he did not seem to have enough, he did not also seem to have enough power uh, as, a, as a head coach, you know, he did not seem to be respected enough from the hierarchy, from the Chelsea hierarchy, the higher-ups, for, for them to carry their whole transfer approach to Lampard's system, you know, maybe at the end of the day, everyone thought that Lampard was Chelsea's only, only long, uh, long-term uh, manager, in the past few years, but it seemed at the end of the day, he seemed like he was a stopgap for someone new to come in uh, later, which has happened now with Tuchel. Yeah, but yeah. the thing is, like, is he going to get the opportunity to to tweak and uh, try out new things, like you said, as a Chelsea manager? Like, I just don't see that happening. I like when I think of Chelsea managers, I think of immediate results and uh, like into integrating the academy players where possible, and that's it. Like, there's no uh, I'm gonna go through a transition period. Like, I can't really think of any Chelsea managers who were afforded that when uh, in their in their uh, in the beginning of their period at the club. Yeah, well, sure, yeah. but then they should have just replaced him at the, in the summer, right? If they wanted to go in an uh, all-in win-now mode, maybe they should have gotten someone else from the summer and build the squad for him. Uh, it was clear that Lampard was gonna need more time, so. Yeah, I don't know. Axel, do you have any thoughts? Yeah. As I was, like I said before, like the, the second of Lampard was a surprise. It was not a surprise to me. Um because I was thinking out Wolves, when they lost to Wolves and I was seeing the performance, the Chelsea performance was poor and Wolves were easily the better team. And I thought then Lampard was gonna get the sack. And then they lost to Man City and Man City completely destroyed them, battered them, and he still had the job. So I was thinking, how long can this? How long? How much long can this go on for? Then they played Leicester, and Leicester dominated them again. 
And I was just thinking, yeah, this is the time. And then I woke up in the morning and Lampard was sacked. At the time then, because they played the FA Cup match, it was it was a bit weird. And then and then they they hired Tuchel, Tuchel and I'm just thinking, Tuchel on the 18th on contract, like it's obviously like he's he's a stopgap for someone better, someone like a Nagelsmann. He's gonna get the German players playing like Werner, who he had before, Havertz, who they they who they signed for a project. This is a project signing, someone that's gonna take the club forward. So I'll so I was looking at the the Tuchel's first game and I saw Hudson Odoi at right back, Mason Mount dropped, Jorginho back, Rudiger back, like players that Lampard clearly clearly let Lampard down. Like out Midiana, I wanna know. What was your first like? What was your first thoughts on the on Tuchel's first game? So uh, I I think I think it's a difficult assessment. Uh, I think it's difficult in that I, I I highly doubt that's what Tuchel wants to do going forward. Uh, because if he does, then he'll be a very very short term or, or short lived managerial stint at Chelsea. Um, so. I think where Lampard failed and where Tuchel is somewhat succeeding is keeping the fringe players happy enough uh, so that they don't kick up a fuss. Uh, that's the politics. Um, while keeping the younger players happy enough so that they don't kick up a fuss. Uh, because I think uh, a very underdeveloped point is how bloated Chelsea's squad is. Um, and so do I think... Tuchel is going to field Giroud, Kovacic, Jorginho, and Azpilicueta regularly? I, I certainly hope not, because I, I'd i like to believe he's smarter than that. Um, because they, they just simply aren't good enough to compete for titles for Chelsea. Uh, I think that part's abundantly clear. Um, and I think if you look at it on a broader scale... Um, I, I, I do like the shrewdness of the 18-month move because it gives Tuchel six months this season to assess the squad. Uh, and I think he'll find the same flaws that Lampard found, in all honesty. I think he'll want to upgrade the midfield and, and he'll buy a centre-back, uh, which Lampard wanted to do with Rice anyway. Uh, he wanted to buy Rice as a centre-back or a DM or both. Um, and so I think we're, we're going to see a very similar approach that Lampard took um, in terms of operation in the market. And I, and I don't want to read too much into the Wolves game uh, because I would hope Tuchel uh, realizes who his better players are. And a lot of them didn't play uh, on, on, on Saturday. Um, or, no, sorry, on Wednesday. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't want to read too much into it, but I think he is, he's experienced enough, and this is where experience comes in, he's experienced enough to know um, that he can give an inch to these fringe players and then take a mile and bench them for a string of games. Um, and I, I think Lampard was too abrasive in that he didn't consider them good enough, so he just didn't consider them at all. Um, and, and And with with the ever-present player power at Chelsea, uh, that's it's a very risky move. And, and in terms of risk, it, it really didn't work out for him. 
Um, but I, I don't think it's a secret that the team he fielded versus Wolves um, won't win him nearly as much as he's required to win. Uh, and, and I'd like to think if I can see it, uh, Tuchel can see it. Um, you know, the, uh, the times are interesting, but uh, I think this summer is a very big summer in terms of offloading players uh, rather than signing them because uh, some of these players, frankly, aren't good enough uh, to win major titles as uh, really core players. Uh, and, and a lot of the academy grads, I believe, are. Uh, you know, the likes of uh, Reese James and Mason Mount um, and even Tammy Abraham, um, Callum. So I think he's, uh, he's doing a better job politically than, than Lampard did. And now we're going to see how well he can, he, he can do tactically, which is, is where also Lampard uh, fell short. Yeah, I, I agree with you about like the politics point. Um, something that a lot of people have picked up on the last uh, 12 hours-ish is that uh, uh, Tush's responses in his interviews have been like nothing short of excellence. Like he's not given any room for any doubt or criticism or what not like he's instill, installed that winning mentality uh, and given people the perception that he's here to win and he's here to win the league next season, which might not be a good thing depending on uh, the reality of the squad next season. And about the squad, uh, Mediano, who do you think or who, do you, uh, who would you like Chelsea to sign in the next summer window to improve the squad? Um, so I think, I think in terms of quality and depth, Chelsea have a, a very good squad, a very capable squad. Um, but I do think we need a marquee attacker, uh, someone, someone like Bruno Fernandes, who I'm not the biggest fan of. However, uh, he's an X factor. Uh, if if the game is is a stale. Zero zero physical tight. You need someone to pull a little bit of magic out of a hat. And normally, uh, let's say for City, for example, uh, KDB does it on many occasions, and and Pep's system effectively mitigates that um, that that requirement for an X factor. Uh, but that didn't stop them from getting one in KDB. Um, and so. I think Chelsea have potential X factors and, and potential game changers. Uh, however, they don't have them enough uh, and they don't show up enough. Now, so I, I'd like a marquee attacker and we've been linked to Holland, uh, who would be a very questionable but understandable purchase. I mean, like, do we need another attacker? No, absolutely not. Uh, we as in Chelsea, but if you sign, if if you had the chance to sign Holland, would you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I definitely think we need a, a defensive midfielder um, because I don't think Conte's finished. He played the most minutes out of any Chelsea player this season, besides Mason Mount. Um, so it's not that he's physically incapable, but I think we're asking him to do things he's not good at. So I think if if we are to challenge for major tro- major silverware next season, which I assume is the mandate for Tuchel. Uh, a DM, marquee attacker, 
and a center back because I don't think I, I think Rudiger is, is genuinely a mid table quality center back in terms of just actual ability. Um and I think um I don't think Zuma as the dominant seat center back will will win you a Premier League title either. Uh, so I think uh, a center back, a defensive midfielder, and a striker uh, or a marquee attacker. Uh, yeah, I agree about the Holland. My priorities. Like I feel like with Holland, uh, it's more of I'm buying him so the rest of the league don't have him. Like yeah, and he'll help me as well. Fundamentally, like, yeah. Um, but there's a big issue with Chelsea and strikers. I mean, like, how many strikers have you gone through in the past, uh, like, 10 years-ish? Like, I feel like every top club has an established striker who has been in the team for a while now. Like, look at uh, Real Madrid and uh, Benzema and uh, Barcelona and, like, has been Suarez, but we'll see in the future. And uh, City with Aguero and Bayern with Lewandowski and and Chelsea just don't have that. They have Tammy, who's who's really capable, and I rate him a lot. But uh, he's not the Aguero, Lewandowski. I've been here for 10 years, and I'm uh, going to keep scoring 20 goals uh, in the league every season, you know? And Werner, yeah. who's, who, who has, hasn't proven to be that person yet. But I think he can under the right circumstances. Yeah, I think there's uh, a running... I guess, superstition with Chelsea. And it dates back to far earlier than just this season. Uh, yeah. Torres, Shevchenko, Kesman, the, the list can go on and on. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's a striker's grave, grave uh, at Chelsea. Um, but I think the cream rises to the crop um, at Chelsea all the time. And I'd like to, to operate on, under that belief. Um, and just based on... I think a very underrated point is personality and uh, character uh, in, as, as much as, as technical quality and, and ability. So d- does Werner strike me as a Holland-type character? Uh, you know, he doesn't. Um, and does, does, he, does he strike me as um, uh, a more abrasive, aggressive um, in your face, sort of in the mold of someone like Zlatan. Uh, Diego Costa. Diego Costa comes to mind from yeah. me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think those are the type of strikers. Character matters for Chelsea. Character matters a, a great deal in terms of their their centre-forward profiles, you know. Um, and, and I think Haaland has that. Now, is that to say Chelsea signed Haaland? I'd be very surprised personally. Um, because all of Europe is in that queue, uh, but in a COVID, in a in a COVID market, uh, where where the finances have have clearly affected a lot of top clubs, um, financially, I think Chelsea are among the front runners, uh, from what I've read, uh, so far, um, but I think most pressing is is a center defensive midfielder. Uh, I think that's. That's really the we have. If if we're using a metaphor for a car, we have the wheels and we have a relatively sturdy chassis, but we have no engine. You know, um, 
And I think uh, our recruitment in terms of defensive midfield has been absolutely and utterly atrocious um, because the, the, the league has been dominated by second balls and aerial duels and uh, turning radius for more than 15 years. Um, if you look at every profile of defensive midfielder that has won the league, uh, they all share similar qualities and traits. Um, now, Jorginho could be a, a good player in a, a a good system, but he's all too limited to really be an engine for a Champions League contending squad or a Premier League contending squad. Um, you know, and it's it's also about the psychological effect when you see uh, Fabinho or even. And this is why I I really respect what Ole's done because um, Ole sees the simplicity in things. Uh, he's able to assess the requirements of the league and then assess the requirements of his squad. So he, the inclusion of Scott McTominay, for example, you know, uh, you, you you I don't think any Premier League team within the last ten years has not had a psychologically dominant and physically dominant central midfielder. Central midfielder, um, Dating back to Vieira, Keane, Matic, Fabinho, Fernandinho, um, yeah. and the list goes on, right? So even, even a profile like Scott McTominay is absolutely invaluable um, and, uh, because that, that's what the league requires, you know? Uh, Burnley... Um, West Brom, Newcastle, uh, they, they have bruisers, so to speak, on their team. Um, they'll rough you up and, and they put they put shoulders in, they attack 50-50s with intensity. Um, and it's a requirement for the league, right? So I think first and foremost, we need we need that profile uh, very badly. Yeah, the word's been thrown, thrown around a lot recently, mentality monsters, like the bullies. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and now I think I think that's more of a buzzword because it's more it's more been thrown around at Liverpool when I thought they were mentality monsters, but uh, mentality monsters is a is a very ambiguous term and and it's used somewhat arbitrarily. Um, and it takes I think upwards of three years for that term to actually hold any weight because. It means the core of the squad has been together yeah. for enough time to uh, to to overcome adversity on their own, right? Um, irrespective of circumstance, irrespective of the coach, right? Um, mentality monsters, at least for me as a Chelsea fan, is someone like uh, the core of Ashley Cole, John Terry, Frank Lampard, Didier Drogba. You know, uh, they were yeah. all late 30s and they went to the Allianz and they beat Bayern in their own backyard. So those are those are the sort of mentality monsters we see less of in the game. And then it's not to say it's a bad thing, but I think um, it's a more rare thing than I, I, I suppose football Twitter makes it out to be. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, so you touched upon uh, midfield, and uh, I also share the opinion that Chelsea need investment there. They definitely need a defensive midfielder. Obviously, Declan Rice's name has been thrown around a whole lot the past year or so. Um, it was supposedly a Lampard request, though. So my first question is, do you think Chelsea will still go for, Dec for Declan Rice? 
and uh, if not, then who? And then also, do you think the current midfield core of Jorginho, Kovacic, Kante, those guys, do they have a future at Chelsea? And then my final sub-question on this is, where do you think Mason, Mason Mount is going to play? Is he going to play in the midfield pivot or we're going to see him between the lines like we saw him in the final 10 minutes against Wolves? It's a, it's a lot of questions, so just answer them one by one. Uh, short answer for Declan Rice, no. I don't think we're going to sign him. Um, I don't think we're going to sign him. It's, it's an error, uh, no doubt. But I don't think we're going to sign him because the academy uh, took a long time to develop into what it is now, Cobham, or La Cobham, as some people say. Uh, and so it would seem set a dangerous precedent for academy graduates to leave and then buy back at obscene amounts. And I think that's what Chelsea are most worried about, the precedent that the Declan Rice signing would set. I don't think they don't rate him as a player, because I think if you have two eyes and know anything about football, you rate Declan Rice. But uh, I think it's it's more about um, the, the long-term scheme of, of what signing an academy player at 80 million would do when you value the academy so highly as Chelsea do. And then second question... I think I think Kovacic can be a good squad player uh, and I think he's a he's an okay water carrier because that's what he is fundamentally uh, he's he's a water carrier he he's good to transition the ball from deep midfield to uh, the final third and he can occasionally split a line not nearly as occasional as enough, enough as required uh, I, I, I firmly believe Kante and is, is one of our two world-class players, and I think he's been very underrated, um, in part because of Lampard's system or lack thereof. Um, and so I think, I think Kante has a future, and I think Tuchel touched upon that. Uh, he wanted Kante at PSG for many years, and now he has him. So I think that... Uh, it leads me to believe that he knows what is required of this league. Um, and then Golo Kante's profile is one. And I, I think there's only one in Golo Kante in football, and that's in Golo Kante. Um, and who would I just sign... interrupt you. Um, yeah. Who's the other world-class player other than Kante? Thiago, Thiago Silva. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I agree on that. Um, and then the last question was, who would we sign? Uh, as a DM, or who would I sign? So I think realistically, um, he's going to be a younger profile. Um, we had links to Sumare last season, um, but we have Billy Gilmore, who I think the club saw as, as a similar position, not a similar profile. Um, we were linked recently to Chuamini uh, from Monaco, who I think is a fantastic young player, but I'm not sure an 18-year-old can make the step up to challenge for the Premier League unless he's Cesc Fabregas. Um, so it's a t- it's it's a very tough ask. Um, I, I would I would probably say Sumare Chuamini and and Didi are probably on the radar, but. And Didi's very unlikely, uh, given he'd cost 60-plus million uh, from Leicester. Um, 
So yeah, I think that uh, like it's a bit there's a bit of a contradiction where you're signing Havertz, you're signing Werner, uh, and you're signing all these like uh, young players, or you're targeting these young players such as Chouameni and Sumare, but you also want immediate results, which uh, doesn't always work out. And uh, I think like if the board want to go with younger players and build for the future, they should also uh, communicate that to the manager that you have time, you have a transition period, and you have time to make things work and figure out the system, which I don't think was uh, communicated to Frank Lampard. So I actually think that our, our, our supposed emphasis on youth is a bit overstated. Um, I think I think the club's business was very underrated in that they targeted four different age groups. Um, and I think Havertz was the only U21 player we signed. Uh, Werner, 24. Chowell, 24. Mendy, 27. Um, Ziyech, 27. And Silva, 36. Yeah. Uh, years of age. I, um, I, think there's no, I think there's no emphasis on youth at like Chelsea Littleton. Like, if you look at the previous signings of Danny Drinkwater and uh, Zappacosta, who I don't think is under 23, like, I, I, I also get the feeling that Chelsea signed more experienced players. Or prioritize that. Yeah, so I think it's 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 a very tricky line in terms of squad building. You don't want a team of U twenty ones, but you don't want a team of thirty year olds. Um, and so, in terms of age profile, I think we've done a very good job at matching almost one to one every under twenty one with a twenty four year old, for example. Um, and I think your last question was on Mason Mount, and I do. Th- I do consider him a box-to-box. I think he's much more Gundogan than he is a an attacker like Havertz. Um, so I, I think if 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 I was Chelsea, I would probably sign Rice and pair him with Mount, which I I reckon Lampard wanted to do as well, um, because I think I think Mount's best deep and. He can read space well. Uh, he, I think he won 12 duels versus Fulham and had seven interceptions, which are almost Conte-esque numbers at Leicester, really. Whether he can sustain that over the course of a season, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure because I've only ever seen Conte do it. But uh, I think off the ball, he's, he's very underrated. Uh, he knows how to block space. Um, he communicates on the pitch. Uh, so I, I do see, I see personally Mason Mount as um, as the midfield piece I'd build around, um, just because um, he can do almost everything at a very high level. Obviously not world class, but I don't think that's the standard I'm holding him to just yet as a recently 22-year-old. Um but yeah, I'd want to see Kante Mount in a pivot for under Tuchel, but I, I think that's a bit premature. Yeah, I agree. I think Mount's uh, Mount's the type of player like like you said, Gundogan. Like Gundogan didn't get his uh, due diligence until he started scoring goals. You know, like uh, nobody's gonna notice what he does until there's output to it. Like. Goes and assists output, which is what 
almost everyone looks at it like. And uh, I feel like also there's always going to be criticism about Mount. Like, whenever he does well, I think there was a game, uh, I don't remember which game, but he created like seven chances and like six of them were from corners. And the criticism was, oh, he, that's all he knows how to do, corners. And for everything that he does, there's always going to be a criticism, set pieces, or uh, he's bad offensively, or he's bad defensively, or etc. Yeah, I think um, I've never heard of someone criticize Trent for taking a quick corner versus Barcelona. So I, it's, it's kind of humorous when you, when you hear a criticism that, oh, but they're all from corners. I mean... It's it's uh it's a foolish counter argument. It's not really it's not really logically uh logically valid. I suppose um you can't criticize a player for doing what every player does, which is take a, a corner kick. Um, whether he yeah. can be from open plays. Um, but I think I think Gundogan's a very very good profile to mirror his game around. It's funny City fan to see how good Gundogan has been this season. Uh, if you actually look at it, um, if I recall correctly, he started most every Champions League game under Pep. Uh, and it's for a reason. Uh, it's because you need a balanced midfielder. The role that Henderson plays for Liverpool. And those type of players will hardly ever get their praise. Um, but they play for a reason. Uh, and if, if, if I play. Um, fundamentally. So I think that's where, um, and whether he's going to play every game or not, I think in all big games he starts. And, and he okay, performed like well. if he took that quick corner and uh, just went out, uh, everyone would be like, uh, oh, he's just a rash youngster. Or, uh, it, it was too happen to work out one, uh, like that one time, then it's a genius move, you know? Yeah. And uh, we have a question from. Uh, I hope I don't butcher the name, but Adroit Cadet, uh, I'm sure you know him on Twitter, mentioned repercussions of going from a heavy automatism slash positional play principal coach, uh, uh, as in sorry, I assume, and uh, who's been built up to a more aggressive and yes, vertical one. And now, um, I think the comparisons of sorry to Tuchel are very, maybe similar. If I was to use a motion and he strikes, uh, Reference the goal versus Liverpool 2018 at the bridge, 1-1. That's, that is sorry ball. Um, and that's, it's very different to how Tuchel likes to set up and train. Uh, I think Tuchel is a very orchestra manager. Again, a metaphor. I think Tuchel's more of an orchestra and sorry ball's more of an accordion in terms of the instrument. You know, it goes in and then out very quickly, vertical play. Tuchel is more... Um, I want to say more of a pragmatist. Um, although he does have positional play principles, um, I think he's he's able to adjust to the opposition far better than Sarri ever did. Um, you know, and I think that it, it Jorginho exemplifies that because Jorginho is effectively Sarri ball. That's why he bought him for top dollar, um, and so. Having an archetype such as Jorginho as your central controller is is a very mid two thousands Italian era move, uh, and it's it's worked well for him so far. But I think in terms of 
the repercussions, I don't think there will be. Um, because I think Lampard, Lampard wasn't here long enough to stamp real tactical or psychological authority on the squad. Um, I think if we see, and, and this gets me back to one of the most pertinent points about Chelsea, is that the squad has to be versatile enough to fit any manager's style of play um, at all. Uh, and I think Lampard was integrating and targeting flexible enough profiles. Um, because, for example, we see with Jorginho, he doesn't necessarily work in a two uh, to great effect. Um, and so I think that's a, a major difference between Tuchel and Sarri. Although they are positional play and principled and, 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 and principled coaches, Sarri's, Sarri runs an extensive amount of automisms, whereas uh, Tuchel does as well, but but not nearly to to the extent that Sarri does. Um, and Tuchel is more flexible. So um, I think in terms of squad, there isn't going to be as, as much of, of a repercussion as Sarri was too rigid of a manager and Lampard was too flexible and Tuchel strikes the balance between the, the two. Um, and he also understands the requirements of the league. I think Sorry just didn't understand the requirements of the Premier League fundamentally. Um, and so I, I hope Tuchel is smart enough to understand them. Um, and, and the requirements are an emphasis on intensity and physicality, whether, um, whether aesthetics FC wants to admit, admit it or not. Um, it's no surprise that Pep bought elite athletes in his first season. Uh, Walker, Fernandinho was there. Um, De Bruyne is an, an elite athlete. Um, Sterling, John Stones. Uh, these guys are, are, are athletic. Uh, and so um, I don't think it's a surprise necessarily. Whereas if you look at Jorginho, for example, or even Kovacic to a lesser extent, it's a lot of, um, it's a lot of technical quality but no substance. Uh, it's not. They don't stamp their mark on the game, uh, either physically or technically, uh, and I think that's where the the differentiations lie. It's in terms of what they want from from their squad, and I think judging a manager by how well he can adjust to the league uh, is is the most fair stick by which to judge them. Uh, so I don't think there are going to be tactical repercussions because. They're tactically the, the squad is tactically flexible enough, um, and whether there's I don't know psychological repercussions. Um, the squad of Saris is almost entirely phased out, so I don't think there will be any psychological repercussions from that transition to Lampard now back to Tuchel either. Um, so I think depending on who Tuchel targets, we'll see whether there are major repercussions or not, but but right now I don't think there are. Okay, just wanted to go back on the on Tuchel's first game. You know, I saw uh, on Twitter mostly, I saw a mixed reaction to it, uh, but to be honest, in my view, I think it was a good uh, opening performance. Uh, obviously, we saw mostly Chelsea in the ball, so we can't really judge in terms of uh, defensive scheme or or well, well, pressing wise, we saw good. Uh, I thought the counter pressing was good, but in terms of on the ball, I really enjoyed the three to five 
which was expected. Um, not too many partners of play to judge yet, obviously, after one training session only. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to ask you, Mediano, as a final question, uh, did you like uh, Two Hills' uh, structure on the ball? Uh, what did you think of Callum Hudson-Odoi's role? And, uh, and a notable exclusion for me was Rhys James. So where does Rhys James fit in all this? Does it fit in Aspilicueta's role as the right centre-back? Does it fit as the right wing-back? As a midfielder, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, so I really like the structure, and I think it would have been far easier for Lampard to keep his job had he played a three at the back because it seamlessly transitions into a three two five by very nature of the of the system. Uh, in Conte's first season, we saw it. Uh, he he actually. He made it a hallmark of the Premier League to play a three-two-five with, uh, by virtue of his wing backs pushing up so high, and then his narrow front three, uh, and then we saw Klopp emulate that, and then and then Pep emulated it all, all to varying extents. So I was a fan of the structure, and I think I think Tuchel knows how important a double pivot is in the Premier League because of transitions. Uh, so I, I was very impressed that. Um, he was willing to match Wolves three at the back while also implementing uh, the, the the structure of a three two five. Uh, he also spoke about a two three five, um, uh, varying on the opponent, of course. Uh, so yeah, I, I was I was I was impressed, and and I think sometimes simplicity is 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 the best option, and uh, he chose that. Um, I think uh, Reese fits. Better in at right center back than as Pulaqueta because Reese is a far better passer. He's, he's outright a better footballer, uh, technically and physically, uh, at this point in their careers. Um, and so I think it would give Reese license to also in swing crosses from not the right half space, so to speak, but um, about 25 yards out towards the right, um, from where as Pulaqueta. W- made his hallmark with Murata, uh, that sort of area. Um, and so I think Reese fits in at right center back, but I also I also think it gives us a short-term fix to DM because then Reese can then break a play in midfield just as a, a short-term fix because we don't really have a, a powerful defensive midfielder. Um, I liked Callum's position uh, because... It kept the opposition's wing backs true, and they were pegged back. Um, I do prefer him as a more natural left-sided um, winger, attacking midfielder sort of role, uh, like in a in a in a, a four-two-three-one, for example, uh, just loosely positionally as the the left mid. I think that's his best position, but I also think. Uh, he's again. He's tactically flexible enough that they can play a multi a multiplicity of roles, um, and and that's why I don't think there are going to be as many tactical repercussions of moving away from Lampard's aggressive vertical style of play to Tuchel's positional play because the players are malleable enough to to fit in in, in whatever type of role they're required to. Um, but yeah, I think. Uh, I think the first game was was good structurally. I think you you mentioned our counter press, which was great to see, um, and it just has to do with player commitment. When there are clear instructions, uh, players are able to commit more. So, 
yeah, I think it was it was it was a good uh, a good one. That's all we had time for, people. We've been the Football Ideas Podcast. Special thanks to our guest Mediano and our great panel. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Football Idealist and we will be back again next week. Bye.